Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. obstetrician, gynecologist. I'm a husband. I'm a father, a grandfather, a small business owner, a Catholic. I'm a bunch of things. Uh, But right now on this show, I'm your host as we discuss all things women's health, and we'll always do it from an authentically Catholic perspective. From childbirth to infertility, from pregnancy loss to menopause, homeschooling to personal trainers, it doesn't matter. If it involves women and their health, It's on our agenda. And joining me today is a friend and colleague of mine, Kirsten Lane. She's a very experienced and very well-known doula in our area. We're going to explore all things doula with Kirsten. What is a doula? What do they do? What's their training and licensure and, and educational requirements? How much does it cost to hire a doula? Who really needs a doula or maybe doesn't need a doula? We're going to get into all of these questions and much, much more. So get comfortable and get to know more about Kirsten Lane and get to know a lot more about this interesting topic. We'll be right back with all things women's health. Welcome back to All Things Women's Health, and thanks for joining me in this edition dedicated to All Things Doula. My guest today is Kirsten Lane. Now, Kirsten lives here in rural northeastern Indiana with her husband and five little ones. She enjoys spending time with her family in the great outdoors and supporting the community through what we would call birth work. We'll talk a lot more about that as we go. Way back in 2010, she began her journey to become a doula, and she attended the DONA, that's D-O-N-A, training course in 2000. She's a certified as a birth doula through Birth Arts International, and she's training to be an aromatherapy certification, uh, or certified aromatherapist, you might say, with Hearts of Herbs, and we'll talk more about that as well. She's attended birth and feels comfortable in all types of birth settings, whether it's hospital, medicated or unmedicated, or a birthing center, or in the privacy of someone's home. Um, She also uh, has personal experience with infertility and with pregnancy loss, uh, which she would acknowledge can bring a real unique understanding to that sometimes painful journey. Uh, She feels the experience of bringing life into the world is a sacred one, and how could we disagree with that? So Kirsten, welcome to All Things Women's Health. Thank you so much for having me today. This is truly an honor, and I'm very excited. Oh, we're excited to have you with us. So, you know, it's a medical show. We love our words in medicine and our crazy (laughs) vocabulary. So let's start with yours. What is a doula exactly? Yes, so a doula is a non-medicated support person, simplistically put. I think think you meant to say medical. You said medicated. (laughs) I mean, I suppose they, they yeah. could be medicated. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. They probably yes, shouldn't they be medicated yes. if they're... Non-medical yeah. support person. Now, yes. what do you, when you say non-medical, what what, yes. what comes to mind? What do you think? Uh, non-diagnostic. Yeah. Um, we are not doing internal exams. We're not giving uh, diagnosis to families. We're not telling them... Um, what is wrong, what could be wrong, um, recommending herbs, uh, lots of different things. Yes. So So just staying within our scope. Uh, We're not doing uh, 
maternal exams. Mm-hmm. So blood pressure and, and heart rate sure. and, and pulse ox. And, you know, we all those stay, things you would think of as medical. Yes, we stay outside the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a non-medical support person, I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, for the listener, that could, that could mean a lot of different things. Yeah. Try to give a sense of what that actually translates into. So it's mental, emotional, and physical support. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, we're there to hold space in the birth, uh, and we're we're there to maybe guide and encourage. Really, just be a presence in that space to 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 guide them through this journey. You know, we'll meet prenatally, so we have a chance to get to know the family, their wants and wishes around birth, maybe previous birth experiences. Um, if a conversation needs to be opened with their OB or midwife on specific things, you know, kind of just giving them some space to figure mm-hmm. that out. Uh, and then during labor, you know, we're hip squeezing and rebozo, with, which is just a fancy term for a, a shawl. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe doing some positional things and supporting dad, you know, their partner into how to support their wife. You know, that's more of a, the relationship that I feel like me personally, I work towards where the dad wants to be, <laughs> you know, if he's like, I don't want to do anything, yeah. then we'll, you know, we'll work on that. But my job is to not take his job. So, uh, yeah. so someone had this great idea somewhere along mm-hmm. the way, kind of what's, what's the history of this non-medical support person role? Yes. Yeah, so I think women have just been supporting women through centuries mm. uh it's it's a natural calling where we're we're there to hold space we're there to hold support and at some point somebody decided to coin it as a phrase interesting yes. yeah but it's not new it's not new no it's been there forever and uh we could get on this long tangent about whether you need to do you know training and certification um and obviously that you know means something it's a professional Role, but this idea. Uh, of, but this idea. My job yeah. is to help. That's yeah. not a new idea. It's not, yeah. you know. But it can be very helpful to know positional things and, sure. you know, yeah. Sometimes you just get babies that are a little sticky, and you need to kind of have some tools and tips to figure it out. Yeah. It's funny. People have asked me before, <clears throat> maybe in our childbirth classes or our seminars, well, what exactly does a doula do? And I think. Well, that's interesting. In 30 years of doing this, I struggle to come up with an answer. And I think I struggle to come up with an answer because the answer is so vast and varied. And I would find myself saying, well, essentially they do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's picking the husband up off the floor. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's distracting the (laughs) mother-in-law. Yes. (laughs) Maybe maybe she's being a little negative Nancy or something. But it's really whatever needs to be done, lending a hand and whatever a hand yeah. you know, sort of looks like. And sometimes it's just sitting on your hands, mm. you know, and which feels so unnatural <laughs> to me uh, because I like to be the cheerleader and I, you know, words of affirmations and, you know, you can do this and, you know, all the things, hand, you know, hip squeezing and just rubbing their foot, you know, just <laughs> I have to do something, but something we, we just don't need to do anything. We just need to be and observe and allow the natural process of labor to just mm. unfold the way it needs to. Yeah. So maybe share a little bit with listeners how you came to be sitting here. What's your journey through life to be a professional 
uh, non-medical support person. Yes. How did that, how did that come to be? Yeah. So for so long, I I do feel like this has been um, a journey that God has guided me through. Mm. Uh, it's a calling. I didn't know that this was a thing <laughs> until I was you know reading those natural-minded out-of-hospital births with my oldest. You know, almost thirteen years now, and kept on coming across this phrase. I'm sure I just totally ruined the name doula i didn't know how to pronounce it (laughs) and when i did more research what it was i was just like this can't be a real job you know (laughs) you get to tell me i get to watch people have babies every day it's a little bit different than that but it just you know this this idea it just truly sprung into my heart and i i just knew that was where i needed i had Mm. i had started a nursing school and it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling the way I wanted it to. Uh, I felt so pulled to the clinical side and I wanted to be bedside and the holding the hands and you don't always get to do that. So this truly has been such a beautiful journey. When I had my daughter, it was an awesome experience. And many people I do think come to doula work because they want to save people from traumatic birth. A bad experience. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I want to share with everyone how beautiful birth can be. So yeah. I guess in the same way, you know, saving them from a potential traumatic birth. But mostly it was, oh, this is just, this can be birth. This is birth. Yeah. And I just wanted to be alongside to facilitate it as much as I could possibly do. Um, so yeah. that happened around college age nursing school you said yeah so i think my daughter i'm about 24 when my my first was born um so early 20s and then throughout the years just kept going you know as with any business it's you know slow going very (laughs) word of mouth and reputable you you have to build that client respect with with ob's and midwives Mm -hmm. and word of mouth and this does seem to be a career that has a pretty quick turnaround because they have this idea of what it is and then reality kind of hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, burnout is real too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and at some point I added five kids into the 10 years <laughs> of doing this. <laughs> so maternity leave for myself was taken and uh, I feel like I'm finally in a space where we're just we're just going to grow. We're growing and growing and mm-hmm. we're not taking any more maternity leave. <laughs> now, do you... So that path that you're describing, yes. do, you, do you feel like that's a common path to become a professional doula or do you, are there other paths that you would call out? I think it has a lot to do with they have a, an interest in birth or, as said previously, they have a traumatic moment where they feel like they need to um, maybe help get that word out and, and maybe protect others from it. And then that's, you know, you Google or look up how to become a doula. A lot of times we're getting emails, the network or my own business. Um, I'm looking into becoming a doula. What are the mm. first steps? You know, so I kind of have just like a pat response and provide them with lots of different information. And I will, you know, help maybe shadow some some people here and there when I have that time. But it's important for them to do the work too. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, the skeptic, uh, which is probably going to be somebody that looks like me <laughs> and, the hus- <laughs> and the husband role is going to say doula. Well, we don't need a doula. If you want your hips squeezed, I'll squeeze them. Absolutely. Um, which is true, but, yes. but not true answer mm-hmm. to that question. So how do you respond, you know, to that idea of, Oh, we, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. need a doula. Yeah. That is such, um, 
that's actually one of my most favorite roles to navigate are those dads and sometimes skeptic and sometimes really, you know, eager. Um, Really, I think of it, we're kind of like this trifecta of care. You know, we have mom and dad and doula (laughs) and it's, you know, this, not to take Trinity, but it's just this amazing (laughs) group of, you know, he is an expert of, of mom. Well, hopefully, you know, they yeah. know each other and they know how each other works and he knows her better than I will ever know her. Mm-hmm. There's that love and, you know, they, they've created this life. So they're going to work better at getting this life here, you know. And my job is I'm there to just help as things happen, mm-hmm. you know, and good things, not not necessarily things, you know, as, as uh, that sounded scary, but it takes the pressure from him having to know it all mm. and to do it all and to be right. You know, um, they can be present during those childbirth education classes and just be, you know, they don't have to remember everything. Mm. Um, and not that I know everything, but I see birth more often. It's a little bit more normal yeah. to me than just, you know, one family having their first baby. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to yeah. get blinded by it. The, mm-hmm. the flood of emotions at the moment. Very much so. Yeah. Yes, I, I have that a, ability to a, separate. I can picture a, a nice doula moment um, recently where a husband had every desire to do whatever mm-hmm. his wife wanted him to do, but he just didn't have that sense of what it was. Yeah. And the doula handed him a tennis ball and said, you know, kind of whispered to him, rub this in circles on her back, mm-hmm. you know, and he did. And the minute he did, her face just, you know, yes. changed completely. Yes. But in that moment, he was the star. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the doula, her job there was to try to help him help mm-hmm. his spouse. Give him the tools. Which does takes a special kind of person to be, want to be that selfless yeah. and not get the, the credit as the hero. No. Um, but in my mind, mm-hmm. that's a good example of, you know, why would you need a doula? Because... They're going to make you better yeah. as a support person. Very much so. And it just really takes the pressure off. I think when you can like release that pressure and that anxiety, just one less mm. anxious thing to think about, you're able to reach those potentials because you're just like, oh, I don't feel like I have to. And yeah. so then you're able to, you know. And, and I think I think we give, we under, I'm not sure if I have the right words, but we we reduce that stress that dads feel just arbitrarily. You know, oh, mom's the one having the baby. She's mm-hmm. the one going through all this hard physical, mental, emotional work. And we're, we're not doing enough service to these dads. Yeah. They're like, you know, moms are, oh, our baby, our baby, our baby. We kind of forget about ourselves. Whereas dads are like, they're worried about their wife and <laughs> their baby. They have a twofold. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, it's really important to not just brush that off. Um, it's funny we would end up yeah. on the topic of dads. I don't think we necessarily <laughs> intended to get there, but but it is interesting because in our birth center seminar that we give monthly, we talk about often, you know, we'll say, raise your hand if you've seen a birth on television. Hmm. Everybody raises their hand. Yeah. But almost universally, they'll say, but it was horrible. Mm-hmm. It involved an out-of-control screaming woman and a husband that looks pretty much worthless and stupid. Um, And that's sort of the Hollywood movie, Mm -hmm. I think, that's playing through people's head when they're thinking about birth, especially natural birth. Yes. I mean, sadly, I think that's the movie playing in a lot of physicians' head Mm -hmm. when they think, oh, the the patient in room two is having a natural birth. They start that movie playing. Yes, they're screaming, they're out of control, they're they're punching their partner. And I will tell you, I've never had a client whack her husband. I've never seen that, you know? I'm sure that it maybe has happened, but I've not been a part of that, so... But the anecdote yes. to that, I think, yeah, at least what I've seen, is having 
having the knowledge, and that knowledge can come mm-hmm. from a professional support person. Yes. Who studied and knows and has experience in trying to make this movie go better? Yes, um, yeah. that's a powerful tool to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a- as a professional observer of birth, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> what what are what are scenarios that you've seen? You know where you think, oh, this would go so much better if we had a doula here. Yeah, those long births, uh, the long, long births. You know, um, I kind of. I, I kind of, oh, you know, if I have a, a first time uh, mom, you know, we call them the primip, and they have their water break before oh, yes. onset of contractions, yeah. you know, and my poor husband, I say, I'll see you in a, a week. week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, because it's long and slow. Um, and mo- sometimes, most of the time yeah. it is, you know, and it's just, that's that mental endurance, you know, and, and holding that space. And a lot of times those labors, they they can end in a different way than planned, yeah. um, you know, so it's just being there to navigate those different options. Uh, posterior so a, babies that, too. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking those right. sunny side up babies that are in a just a wonky position that we know we need to do some. We call it body work. Mm. So uh, spinning babies and positional changes. Those are all really good tools that you just kind of pick up throughout the years of doing it i i know i do not know everything that i could possibly know nor do i want to um all of my families i feel like i learned something Mm. with each one i'm like oh i could have used that at that birth you know um maybe things would have been different if i had that knowledge and i've learned so much from the nurses that i've worked with those ladies teach me so much because they see it more than i do so difficult births, maybe first time moms mm-hmm. more so than than repeat moms. Mm-hmm. Um, what are other kind of examples and scenarios that could mm-hmm. really benefit from a supportive doula? Uh, families that have experienced loss is a big oh. one, um, mm-hmm. or who have gone through infertility. Um, but r- most of the time, speaking of the infertility family, there's that sense of my body struggle to get pregnant or couldn't get pregnant and is it going to know how to give birth so they don't have a lot of um you know just confidence in their ability so it's working through that prenatally and yeah speaking of those lost families that comes up into labor as often as we talk about it you know prenatally and we're working through things even therapy um we often see that happen, you know. Yeah, I'll bet listeners, some listeners are probably thinking, oh, that's a bit of a stretch. Just mm-hmm. because you have trauma in your life yeah. um, doesn't mean it's going to affect labor. Mm-hmm. But I've certainly seen in my years, you know, a history of sexual assault mm-hmm. affects labor. Uh, yeah. A history of a stillbirth affects yes. labor. Maybe the history of a loss of a sibling yeah. through life affects labor. Or even a person that was really important, like a mother, like the grandmother had been there with other other labors and no, she's, she's passed on uh, and you know she just example. wants her mom, you know, and how touching and heartbreaking yeah. is that. Um, those 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 are just those emotional blocks that we work through and truly sometimes a really intense, powerful cry is all that's needed. <laughs> we just need to release and surrender mentally, emotionally, just need to let it all go uh, and just let what is to come to come, you know? Yeah. I'm sort of thinking of a scenario where a, 
a, a couple is essentially alone and labor mm-hmm. and and it's not going well yeah. and they're thinking you know the woman is thinking you know what this is a terrible idea just <laughs> why don't just shoot me It'll, we'll just yeah. get it we're done, we're done. <laughs> we'll I just think that's what it. my mom we'll said labor here. with me was, yeah. <laughs> i just want to be done <laughs> and the alternative of that though would be you at the bedside, mm-hmm. sort of trying to figure this out. And mm-hmm. now we can talk more about it, but you would have already presumably had a relationship established. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, the greatest labor and delivery nurse in the world has only got a few hours to make a yeah. relationship. And it takes time. It does. But if you've got some trust as the doula and you know mm-hmm. them, you understand them, you've gotten to know them well through the mm-hmm. pregnancy, you probably already know about some of the some of the triggers that might be yeah. causing some anxiety. And what's better than utilizing some of that, you know, support from the nurses and their provider mm-hmm. to to build a really um, strong support system? They may not have disclosed that with the nurses. You know, if we do have some of those um, struggles, I, I do recommend them talk to to their people about it mm-hmm. because it is important that everyone know. Sometimes they'll just kind of put it at the top of their birth preference, you know, birth planning sure. list because uh, you know it, it does help those nurses to better care for them in a in a unique way. They've seen it, they've seen it, and so they may be able to have some different suggestions than I can even bring too. Yeah. yeah. So um, maybe I, I mentioned you've gotten to know them. Maybe we should back up, mm-hmm. uh, and you give a sense of to the newly pregnant person. Mm-hmm. You decide maybe at eighteen or twenty weeks. Ah, I think mm-hmm. this doula idea is, is the idea for yeah. me. When does that process start, and what does it look like? So it can start from as soon as they find out they're pregnant. They're like, we know we know we need a doula, and it can honestly go all the way until we're in labor and we haven't hired one, and oh my goodness, we waited too long. So it's truly a very different ends of the spectrum. Um, but it, it involves maybe they're sending out, you know, hey, I know that you had hired a doula. Who did you use? Who do you recommend? So mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why the, the social media is still the best, because it's that word of mouth, and it's a Global. What's you know? the most common point in the pregnancy that you meet new patients? Usually about twenty weeks. Okay. I think they they feel comfortable, or at least past that first trimester, sure. um, you know, they're they're starting to think about labor. Maybe they've attended some childbirth education classes, and that the, the, that's when they kind of have the idea presented to them. So that's a very common time, you know, in that maybe early second trimester. But truly, there's it's it's not too late until the baby's here. So yeah. what's a common um, timeline, if you will, of, of work from you meet them at 20 ish mm-hmm. weeks up through labor and birth and postpartum. Yes. Yeah, so at least just speaking for me and how my practice works, they would make contact. We would have a meet and greet consult to make sure that we're just a good fit, that we work well together. Um, if they do ultimately decide to hire me, then we would meet uh, two more times prenatally. Um, sometime in that 30 week and then closer to birth you know 36 weeks and we we my first visit is talking about birth planning Mm -hmm. so all about birth what have they done for childbirth preparation um have they had other children what were their past experiences and what are we doing you know what are the wants with this one and then i have handouts i used to be a homeschool mom so (laughs) i still have to feel like i need to get that out there somehow and i'm like i have handouts um so handouts and worksheets to just correlate with a lot of the things that we talk through um and then the second visit is how to prepare for postpartum Mm. We talk so much about birth and bringing this baby home or just getting the baby here that we're like, oh, 
now what? You know, we really need to talk postpartum um, and how to prepare our space so that when we are home, we can succeed and it's not as stressful bringing a new baby in. Um, Even if we've done postpartum before, we've not done it with this dynamic. Mm -hmm. So all of my families receive additional postpartum support too. So they'll have an extra three hour visit with a postpartum doula. So now this is, so you've, they've called you in labor. Yeah. We, yes, we've you, done labor. You attend yep. their labor mm-hmm. and birth. Yeah. And then you're going to see them postpartum. And then I'll see them again postpartum. And in between that time, we're in contact, we're texting. Mm-hmm. I may not be on call for them to like come to their aid, you know, with, like I would be with birth, but I'm still there to support them. And then um, when, how long after the birth would you typically see? Uh, between two to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to see the first time families a little bit earlier, but you know, those more skilled families that have done it a couple of times, they probably don't need a visit right away. Uh, trying to navigate the family coming in and visiting. So we just try to find a nice time. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of leave that open to them. So I'll check in with them and say, Hey, how are you feeling? Are you ready to set up an appointment and have me come in and see how you're doing? So sort of, uh, a couple of visits of prenatal mm-hmm. planning, education, information yeah. sharing, the birth support, and mm-hmm. then postpartum. What things in that postpartum time mm-hmm. are you interested in mostly? Breastfeeding, uh, if that's their goal. Sure. So I am not a lactation consultant. I, Other than my 10 years of nursing my own five <laughs> children and various experiences with helping multiple hundreds of clients, that being said, I've not done any specific training for sure. it. Um, so I delegate that. We have an amazing lactation consultant in our community, um, Amy Sickles. Um, she's fantastic. All of my families will receive um, a feeding consult with her. Um, and they... I like that because then she can come in home. And if there's a travel radius issue, then they just come here mm-hmm. um, or to the birth center, that's actually. That's not having a problem, or presumably before they yeah, have a problem. Yeah, that's just because it's needed. In a preventative yes. way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, and sometimes there's concerns that we've talked about prenatally, you know, returning back to work, pumping, mm. things like that. She's had a chance to maybe meet with them via phone call um, and just kind of get an idea of what their specific needs are. And then once baby's here, I text her right after birth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I try to wait until the normal business hours, like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. for her sake. She has the ability to turn her phone off. Right. I don't. <laughs> so so breastfeeding issues, baby baby care, family yeah. care issues. And mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, just with sharing a little bit of my story, I struggled with postpartum anxiety and depression oh. through a couple of my kiddos. Ouch. And um, there needs to be more support. So that's a big one. I obviously I can't diagnose anything, but I can help facilitate those conversations and provide resources. I know certainly the providers in our practice would would argue that if, if there's such a thing, postpartum depression and perinatal mood disorders, mm-hmm. sort of a silent epidemic. It is. You know, it really is bad. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't get the attention it deserves. It doesn't. So I, I am a local facilitator for um, PSI, which is Postpartum Support International. And it's like a hotline mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you literally give them the number, they call and they connect you with the area. Sure. Um, and our role is to just kind of help find the resources. So it just feels too heavy for them mm-hmm. to do on their own when they're caring for a new baby um, that 
I just take the light, light lightens the load a little bit. So that sounds like a pretty comprehensive package. You, you might I try. Say. Is yeah. that is that common? Are there? I think so. Is that a pretty standard thing to? I expect think it's from pretty standard. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we all have our own uniqueness. We've all been brought to this for different reasons. I think mm-hmm. maybe our focus is on other things. You know, because baby wearing might be a passion. Um, so they have that education. Um, maybe some more. Uh, holistic treatments, herbal, mm-hmm. uh, belly binding, those things like that. So sure. there's, you know, we, we kind of have our own unique add-ons. But that idea of some prenatal work, yes. in-labor work, and some postpartum, post, postpartum yeah. work, pretty common. pretty standard. Now, um, there are some doulas who you might say specialize yeah. uh, in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. So in our area, we have specialized loss families who serve you know with bereavement care like mm. with a family that is planning or they they have a loss that they're you know needing support for um or families like I, myself who have experienced it you know we, we we know the unique emotional components to that um i'm trying to think of some other ones um, some would some, if I understand, will just specialize in postpartum. Yes, correct? They don't yeah. Come to the actual labor. They don't do birth work okay. at all. So they are just postpartum doula, mm-hmm. and that looks like you know three, four, five hour chunks of time, mm-hmm. multiple times a week, coming in and caring for the family. Um, maybe overnight care too. Sure. You know, if there's multiples, mm-hmm. you can't do it all. So sometimes, you know. I signed me up. Uh, I had a postpartum doula with my last two, and I don't know why I didn't do that with the other ones. It was just amazing. I was just able to rest. It's so important to rest your body after you've had a babe, and it's hard when you have other kiddos that need you. It's hard when you don't, but it's especially That is very hard. true. It is very hard. I remember with my first, I still think she was my hardest postpartum yeah. because, of, woo, what did we just do? Yeah, you know, back maybe on a different topic of breastfeeding just for a minute, mm-hmm. I meant to say this earlier when you were talking, but what do you think about this idea that <clears throat> uh, I've heard it said, breastfeeding is not natural. It's a learned activity. Mm. It, it, it takes help. And yeah. culturally, that that used to, in, in generations past, mm-hmm. that came from so many women living in proximity to one another. Yeah. There was always a teacher, an instructor. A community. Whereas today, that's not common in the way yeah. we live, which can create breastfeeding challenges. Mm-hmm. But, you know, certainly I've seen women who seem to just naturally put the baby to breast, the baby latches on, and it's it's nothing. Yes. And then in other babies with other moms, it seems so mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. What's what's the difference there? I think that has a lot to do with baby and anatomy. Uh, I do temperament um, and anatomy. Yes, yeah. I do. You know, I, of speaking only personally of my five, uh, I've had vastly different experiences. You know, and if my third's experience would have been my first, I don't know if I would have continued. <laughs> and just the fact that this isn't typical, I know what we can do to work through this. Yeah. Like it was just very different, you know. So each each baby is a different experience because it has different, you know, mouth and whatnot. So you're relearning things. Uh, community is huge, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it also has to do with their upbringing. Right. What did they see as a as a child coming into age, you know, and mm-hmm. what you know what did their mother do, um, and then their husband, you know, what does all yeah. that dynamic look like for me? I didn't really feel like I had any other. And, and there was just no other option. Um, it's just what I did, you yeah. know. That's what I saw growing that's that up. Cultural expectation. It was truly cultural, um, and I it, it 
it breaks my heart to see these families who are wanting to breastfeed so bad and they have no support. Mm -hmm. And there's just these misconceptions and misunderstandings of, you know, well, just do this. It's so much easier, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think of it as the 3 a.m. conversation. Yes. At about day number three. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know. (laughs) You know, at 3 a.m., everything is going to fall apart mm-hmm. and you're sleep deprived yeah. and this thing that used to seem so cute now seems like a demon mm-hmm. is screaming <laughs> and yelling and you're thinking if you would if you would just stop crying yes. and then it's it, right there yeah. just take it <laughs> and if you turn to your left and there's someone sitting there who says mm-hmm. you know there's really two choices the person is either going to say mm-hmm. just give me the baby i'll give them a bottle you yeah. go to sleep or they'll say, you know what, this is fine. Yeah. The baby is not going to die from screaming. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to die from the baby mm-hmm. screaming. Yes. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Whichever of those two people is sitting next to you yeah. at that three in the morning encounter, it's going to decide whether you breastfeed or mm-hmm. not. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think so too. Um, and I I encourage families who are really, you know, headstrong on on breastfeeding and that being a success i recommend that they don't even have formula in the house Uh they have a trusted person that may have some and honestly like you can just go to the store and get something maybe not at 3 a.m anymore because you know (laughs) post-covid hours have changed everything but um somebody would have something if you needed it in a 3 a.m emergency but the best thing is to just take a deep breath take a deep breath and maybe give somebody the baby for a hot minute, everyone take a, you know, five minute time out and come but back now, to it. This conversation that we're having is a conversation you would have in a postpartum visit. Yeah, I know, would have it with, prenatally. Yeah. Yeah, we would be having it prenatally. And those day three, 3 a.m. phone calls are usually one that I get by dads, you know, hiding in a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. She's crying. <laughs> you know, we talk through it. And that's when we call Amy. And hopefully Amy has already made that contact or another lactation consultant that yeah. we've made you know contact with um as i do serve you know that southern michigan community Mm. and she's not gonna travel that far so but it's it's so important i can't do it all so i have to try to delegate especially to the people that know more than i do so what if someone is listening they think i like this idea i i think i'll get a doula and then Mm -hmm. maybe they by referral they Mm -hmm. meet a doula and they think no absolutely not i didn't like that person at all so what's the difference between I don't want a doula, and I don't want that doula. Mm-hmm. I think it's wise to interview multiple people. Ah, good point. You know, two, yeah. three, whatever they feel like they can obtain. You know, with with busy schedules and whatnot. And it's ideal to uh, to interview them with both mom and dad present, or really who is ever going to be there at that mm-hmm. birth. You know, if they're having a grandparent join or a cousin or whomever, whatever their sure. unique dynamics are, because it just needs to be. We all need to work together. Um, and that's a chemistry phenomenon. It is, yeah. And sometimes it just isn't Sometimes there. it just doesn't click, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and if that, I, I think in our community, we have such a beautiful community that, um, you know, we can, there's other options. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times I'll send a referral, you know, hey, I'm sorry that we weren't able to make this work. I would recommend these mm-hmm. ladies. I just did that today. I'm going to be out of town and I'm, yeah. I can't, I'm sorry, but here's like three other ladies yeah. I would recommend. Um, and that's how it should be. A few times in my career, I've seen what I would call doula patient mismatch, you know, because it it seems to me (laughs) in broad terms, doulas are on both ends of the of the spectrum, very extroverted Mm -hmm. or very introverted. (laughs) Um, And 
in some cases, extroversion was needed. In other cases, yeah. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And if those are mixed up, maybe the chemistry yes. is not going to work. Yeah. But you should be able to figure that out as part of you the should. selection. So just yeah. because maybe you met a duo and it didn't seem right, meet some others. Absolutely. You know. Get back out there, interview a couple more. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's do the absolute unthinkable. <laughs> let's talk about money. Yeah. So uh, you've you've sold, pun intended, everyone yeah. on the idea. I need a doula. This Hopefully. is a great idea. Yeah. Um, um, how? Give us a sense in broad terms. What's this going to cost a family? Right. So in our area, I did some digging. Uh, it looks like the the price ranges pretty pretty widely. Anywhere from six hundred dollars, Northeast Indiana speaking, um, six hundred to you know maybe a thousand, twelve hundred. Now, would you say in general terms that's for the same list of services, or is mm-hmm. that because the package is so? I would for say a standard so. Sort of I think package. this is a standard package. You know, if you're talking about a doula, that's also maybe a birth photographer. That's definitely going to be more because you're paying for that photographer and their experience, and then the editing and all the things that go into that afterward. So there's going to be an you know a little bit heavier. Um, price tag because it's more stuff. Sure. Yeah. But that's our area. If you are traveling south, like Indianapolis, they're starting solid $1,200. Mm. So I think we're going to move now. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. So uh, then, um, and we should point out that's not generally going to be reimbursed by insurance companies. It's not. You know, no. sadly, it's not. Um, now HSA can cover is that for, an eligible HSA it is expense? an eligible hsa expense and uh try i think it's tricare is mm-hmm. that um their insurance is starting to kind of cover more doula you have to go through a pretty yeah. rigorous you know application process but it's possible and medicaid's working on some funding mm-hmm. they have a bill but there's not funding for it so sure. we can't i don't know what that will look like in the future but i would love to see something with that happen yeah it's interesting uh the american college of OBGYN usually are known as acog uh they say a lot of things i vehemently disagree with but <laughs> one of they, they do have a, a statement that says uh that quotes research that shows that um laboring patients with continuous support such yeah. as doulas they yes. comma such comma. as doulas uh, have better outcomes overall yeah so maybe we'll get to the day where insurance companies would reimburse maybe. some of that expense. yeah and I think that's where it gets a little a little precarious because we aren't medical yeah and insurance is for medicine mm. so and I don't know you know where we would accept insurance what kind of how that would work how that would work what policies what yeah. laws i'm like this feels muddy <laughs> sure. sometimes yeah. um but there are some you know christian health sharing programs right. that will also cover for doula expenses i think they cap it at a certain amount but something is better than nothing yeah, yeah. so 600 to probably a thousand twelve hundred dollars mm-hmm. for sort of this standard package yeah. uh hsa eligible as you say and then, again, in general terms uh, across the market, when are doulas going to expect that payment? How does that work? Yeah, so most, there's a there's a set amount for a deposit, you know, maybe 200, 300, you know, a mm-hmm. portion of that as a deposit. And then 
there's a balance would be due around that 38 weeks, you know, hopefully before birth. Uh, for me, I have actually kind of extended that. Mm-hmm. So more towards that postpartum visit. And there's that accountability on everyone. You know, I don't, you don't pay 100% to have your roof fixed. So why would you pay 100% <laughs> for a full service and just hope that the person shows up? Sure. I've never not shown up. That's not the right <laughs> word. Never not. <laughs> Double negative. Yeah. Um, but there's just that, I think that there's that mutual, you mm-hmm. know, agreement that they've invested and, you know, I'm still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, occasionally I've, uh, in my practice, had doulas come to prenatal visits with families. Mm-hmm. Is that something you commonly see, or is that sort of a case by case? It's case by case. Mm-hmm. It's it's not something that I do very often. Sure. Um, I think it's it would be a very unique situation. And why are they wanting their doula there? Would be my first question. Is there something going on. That- um, well. I'm not here to advocate for you. I'm here to help you advocate for yourself. So if that's the reason they want me there is to tell their provider what they want, uh, no thank you. Um, But if it's, you know, just support. You know, I've had yeah. some families in the past who maybe have had loss and they were going in for a viability scan and their husband couldn't make it. Sure. I'm going to be there. I'm going to move mountains and I'm going to do my best to be there <laughs> if I'm not called to another birth. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting, you know, in the interest of completeness, I guess, and mm-hmm. transparency, um, if, if we got together a lot of uh, nurse midwives and obstetricians, mm-hmm. And we say doula. What's the first thing that pops into your head? Mm-hmm. It may not be a positive. It's, yeah. <laughs> it may it may be positive, but it may not be positive. I think the tides are changing. I hope. I hope as it becomes more professional. Why, why do you think that? Why why would it be an issue at all? Mm. I think that there are these uh, misconceptions that we are against this. We are against that. Mm. Uh, that we're you know if if you're going to have an epidural, you can't have a doula, or you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, if um, that we're there to no 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 you know mm. that's that's just not how it is that's not how it should be yeah. um, we are just there to facilitate conversation and help families advocate for themselves i'm not going to be with this family forever i need <laughs> them to learn these skills so they can they can advocate for their baby yeah. that they're having so it's you know i think that advocacy discussion is it's so multifaceted mm. but for me i'm not speaking on behalf of anybody i can't i don't Mm -hmm. have that legal grounding they're not going to listen to me you know so yeah Yeah, it's interesting hearing you describe that from your perspective i mean the vast majority of my encounters with doulas um and throughout my career have been extremely positive but there's a few negatives that have that will stand out but Mm -hmm. as i think about it it's more temperament, personality, human, Just human hostile interaction. hostile sometimes. Well, yes, you know, maybe. as people, we don't always get along. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But I think there are probably some doulas there that in an, in an effort to be their, their family's advocate, mm-hmm. they'll make the provider feel as though the provider's the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then so the provider being another human being reacts to that. Absolutely. And then the next thing you know, you've got a room full of negativity. Mm-hmm. And that's not good for labor. It doesn't, it doesn't go well. No. But I, I, I'll have to say that I think that is by far the exception. Yeah, I do uh, too. And not the rule. Yeah. Um, especially as doulas become more and more common Mm-hmm. Um, and more and more professional and experienced. Yeah, and I yeah. think that there's also just a, the misconception. Uh, we're, we're also 
confused as midwives. Mm. So if somebody, you know, we're saying, oh, we're, have you ever thought about hiring a doula? Well, I already have an OB. I already have a provider. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I want that for you because I yeah. don't work with you if you don't have one. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm not a midwife, um, you know, and I'm not an OB. <laughs> so I am a doula. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about... Um, so-called certifications and mm-hmm. licensure and all of those topics. I yeah. probably should have mentioned that at the beginning. But help listeners understand all of that. I'll, you'll, you'll commonly hear someone say, I'm a, I'm a certified mm-hmm. doula. What are they talking about? So a certified doula, there are multiple different organizations, uh, some more common, more um, uh more popular than others, Dona, Birth Arts, um, Childbirth International. Those are just, you know, multiples of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are steps. So there's a book lists that you need to read and you write reports based on those. There's some computer work, childbirth education classes that you take proctoring different things, um, then actually physically attending a certain amount of births and having some provider feedback, family feedback. Uh, so it's it's lots of steps. There's busy work, essentially, that sure. goes into it. And then there's that hand-on aspect. So really all that it is is you, you've made this a priority and you want to do the work to have that certification. Do you feel as though um, that certification is valuable? Uh, both, both to the 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 doula and and the family trying to choose a doula. I do think it's valuable, but I don't think it's essential. Okay, does that make sense? Sure. So, you can be an amazing doula 10, 15, 20 years before this certification wave came about, um, and have hundreds and hundreds of of births behind you but because they're not certified during covid restrictions they weren't given access yes you know whereas this doula who has completed a certification and has had you know two or three births you know so i feel like there is it can get a little you know I don't know. I don't. I don't have the words for it. It just can get a little messy sometimes. Um, I think it's important to look at the training organization. If we're going to require certification for for doulas to attend, where are they certified through? Because sure. truly, anyone can just create a doula organization and print out a certification. Sure. I certified myself, and that really just does brings a huge dis, disvalue to this work because there's there's no set protocol there's no set uh, you know requirements and i don't know if i want there to be because it's not a state licensure exactly yeah Yeah. so you referenced birth arts international Mm -hmm. as well as dona d-o-n-a that's an unusual word what does that stand for yeah i think it's just doula organization actually i can honestly i I don't know either. i honestly don't know i've always just called it dona (laughs) their website is d-o-n-a.org yeah Uh, but then you also mentioned birth arts Arts, yeah birth arts international uh demetria Clark is the uh, owner, operator of that. She is a long withstanding uh, birth worker in our community. She's an herbalist, an aromatherapist. Mm. Uh, I believe she was midwife at one point as well. So I felt drawn to that because it was a bit more at self-paced. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I was just beginning, I needed a little bit more gentle self-paced, <laughs> not rigid time restricts because I was having babies. <laughs> so uh, for listeners, what are some um, 
what you would think of as trustworthy resources that they mm-hmm. could go find more information about just doulas in general. Doulas in general. Uh, as to hiring a doula or just becoming well, a doula? Well, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess both. But yes. first, we should probably say, you know, mm-hmm. if you think you want a doula for mm-hmm. your pregnancy, where do you start? What do you do? Yeah, so if you're in this community, in the Northeast Indiana um, community, then we have multiple organizations that you can find. Um, doula Network, Front Wing Doula Network. Um, there's the CDC, the Community Doula uh, collective, not the CDC of COVID, not fame. the CDC of COVID. No, <laughs> the uh, community doula collective. Correct. That's the CDC. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then there is oh, journey birth and wellness mm-hmm. is another one. And there's one more and oh, they're so new. I just keep forgetting their sure. names. So I apologize on that. Uh, so there's lots of options mm-hmm. in our community. And really, I think Google or any internet, you just pop in doulas near me and you'll just, you'll get a list of them. So uh, doula match is another one. It's like a worldwide <laughs> like a dating service. It really yeah. is. Yes. You know, you can just kind of pop on there and, or word of mouth, like we mentioned, yeah. you know, mom's group, you know, the holistic groups, just certainly looking, social media, Yeah, looking for a doula, you know, and I'll see those posts pop up and it's just, you know, names, 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 names. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love seeing all of us in the community. Now you correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say to listeners, um, maybe you're not sold on the idea of a natural birth or a home mm-hmm. birth or a birth center birth. Maybe, you know, sitting there at 18 weeks, I plan to have an epidural yeah. uh, or for whatever reason you're having a scheduled C-section. Yes, I would argue that's not a reason uh, to not have a doula. No. Speak to that. So even with an epidural, there's still going to be time prior to having sure. an epidural place. That Maybe you, a lot more than you think. Yeah, that you may need support, and heaven forbid, and that the epidural not work. So now we've had our mind mm. set on this pain-free, and we're not having mm. that. So what does that look like? Um, and even with an epidural, there's still work to be done. You know, there's positional changes. Uh, there's, you know, unique aspects to pushing. So there's just, yeah, there's definitely a need for them. We're not just sitting on our hands. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of nice sometimes when it's been a long journey and, you know, mom has decided to have an epidural. Everyone mm-hmm. can take a nap. Yeah. And sometimes sleep for everyone is what's needed. Uh, but we're still going to put, I'm still putting you to work even if, you know, you're, you're, you know, in bed with an epidural. And then with the C-section families, if it's planned, uh, we, we talk about that sure. prenatally. That's just one of the things we work through, uh, talking about hospital, you know, procedures and kind of mm. what their requirements are for that space. And if it's unplanned, that is a, an emotional journey usually, yeah. you know, that's, uh, it's not where they've wanted to end up. So just walking side by side with those emotions and especially with dad and partner too because when mom goes to the or you know we usually are waiting outside that door 20 or so minutes while they're prepping and that's when the you know the wheels just start (laughs) the worry wheels just start turning and so it's nice as the questions come they're able to answer you know have some you know conversation with that um you know, so C-section, you know, support when I am given access to the OR. I'm not mm-hmm. always given access, but um, I just, you know, we stand back. We're stay out of the way. Pictures, if they want pictures. I'm not a photographer, but I can take pictures on a camera, <laughs> on a phone. Yeah. Um, but once baby is here, 
you know, dad usually, mom usually says, go over to the baby. And, you know, there's just this really vulnerable space. Yeah. Mom is laying there and her she may not feel the labor and the birth, but right. her body still does. It's still going through those same hormone changes and, and yeah. huge bursts of adrenaline. Um, and somebody to just sit down and hold her hand, yeah. you know, kind of give some feedback. How's baby doing? She can't really see baby very well. Right. Um, and just be that, that person in the in-between. It's really only maybe five, 10 minutes max, but it feels like an eternity. Right. Everyone's got to meet your baby besides you yeah. and you just kind of feel alone. So yeah, how's baby doing? Yeah. All of those things. And then baby's bundled up and brought back to mom and dad sits back down in that spot and I take some more pictures. Yeah. yeah. But that interval can be, as you say, eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard so many moms through the years that are struggling with a traumatic birth say, you know, I was the most important thing there was. Mm-hmm. Somebody put a sheet over me and made me numb. Mm. And then I heard a baby cry. Somebody told me it was mine. Yeah. And then I was the least important thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Because wow. everybody left me. Uh, they went yeah. across the room to see the baby that they told me came out of me. But I'm numb, so I don't really know you that feel it did. It. How profound. And, and they're laying there alone and lonely. Yeah. Even though it's only a few minutes, yeah. it can be very traumatic it just, for It's a lot, you yeah. know. And then that immediate postpartum recovery you yeah. know they're kind of in that 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 postpartum recovery for a couple of hours a lot of a lot of times we talk about skin to skin so just kind of helping to facilitate getting baby on chest with all the wires and the yeah. things still kind of on them for monitoring and if they're planning on breastfeeding getting baby latched yeah. so just kind of working with that um you know, it's not as convenient when we have the, the blood pressure cuff and all the IVs sure. and stuff. We make it work, you yeah. know. Um, well, as we as we wrap up, what are some, some final bits of advice and thoughts for families mm-hmm. uh, in pregnancy considering uh, maybe the use of a doula? Yeah, I say it's never too early to hire us. Uh-huh. So if you're thinking about it, um, because it's becoming more popular, I'm finding families are having... To book a little earlier because you know calendars are filling up so if you have a doula that you have looked at in the past i would recommend contacting them right away and just you know putting a plug in there saying hey i'm i'm, I'm thinking about hiring you what do i need to do okay so yeah. call, call call early call early yes well thanks so much for that and thank you for this great discussion kirsten mm-hmm. i know thank i've you. learned a lot appreciate you sharing your yes. your years of wisdom and experience with us <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion with Kirsten Lane, all things doula. If you have questions you'd like to ask Kirsten, the, probably the best way to reach her is at her website, which is sacredlanebirth.com, S-A-C-R-E-D-L-A-N-E-B-I-R-T-H.com. And we mentioned some other resources earlier, birthartsinternational.com and dona, D-O-N-A dot O-R-G. Well, as always, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of All Things Women's Health. I hope you'll like and subscribe to the podcast, and I hope you'll tell anybody that'll listen uh, about the podcast. I'll be back soon with another episode of All Things Women's Health. I'm Dr. Chris Strell.